Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's going on, guys? Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. This podcast is going to be really cool. Uh, Chris Rude is a friend of mine and a former student from a long time ago from Louisiana. And this guy is a massive, massive action taker. I remember talking to him for the first time and I knew he was not going to have a problem doing deals. He was a massive action taker. He understood the speed of implementation. He understood that he didn't have to know how to do everything. He asked the questions, who, not how. And uh, he he just started having tremendous success. So anyway, we're going to be talking to him today. And uh, Chris, I've followed him a little bit on Facebook. Um, boy, I don't remember. I'll ask Chris in a minute. But the, the first time we talked was probably eight or nine years ago, maybe 10. We'll find out. But long time ago. And he's killing it right now in real estate, doing a ton of deals. So we're going to be talking about, I want to ask him things like, you know, how, what do you see in people that helps them get successful in real estate? What is it about why some people do a lot of deals and why some people don't? The other thing we're going to talk about is the market, the economy. What's going on right now? Uh, what is he, what is Chris seeing out on the street? What is happening to real estate? And a lot of things are changing. Some things aren't. So we're going to be talking about what's kind of working now, what's working in the market um, in real estate. So this podcast, though, first is brought to you by my class. I have a class called Simple Land Class, and you can go there at simplelandclass.com. Go check it out. Also, some of you guys are big country music fans. That's kind of why I'm wearing my my Texas University of Texas hat right now. Um, I used to listen to a lot of country music, and I don't know why. I just kind of stopped listening to it a few, four or five years ago. I used to know every song on the radio, and I could sing all the words to them. So somebody just sent me this morning that song called By Dirt. Have you heard of this? This song by Jordan Davis is such a great song. So um, if anybody out there knows Jordan Davis... Tell him I love his song and I want to know how I can get the, uh, how I can buy, uh, what do you call it? The rights to play it or the license. If there is a way I could license that song and play it as an intro to my podcast, that would be awesome. I'd love to do that. I know there's all kinds of rules in YouTube and Facebook releasing podcasts through Apple and all the other channels that you have to make sure you have your music licensed and all that stuff. And I have no idea how any of that works. Listen, if anybody knows from this podcast how to do all that, whoever's watching me right now, please let me know. Send me an email, joe at joemccall.com and say, hey, go to this website, talk to this person. You can, if it costs me a hundred grand to license a song so I can play it on my podcast, I'm not going to do that. But I, you know, a few grand, five, 10 grand, I'd pay that to license that song for my show. That's a great song. Go to YouTube, just search for Buy Dirt by Jordan Davis, and it's in the description of this YouTube video. So whether uh, Jordan likes it or not, uh, this podcast is brought to you by his song, Buy Dirt. Go check it out. But you can also go to simplelandclass.com to watch my webinar where I teach you how to buy dirt, how me and my sons buy dirt for a few thousand bucks, sell it for five, 10 grand more on Facebook. I'm telling you, vacant land beats houses every single time. Um, I, we still do house deals. I still love houses, but I love vacant land. So go check out my webinar, simplelandclass.com. All right, enough of that. Let's bring Chris, Chris Rude in the house. How you doing, Chris? Good, man. How are you? Can you hear me all right? Yes, you sound great. Do you, do you like country music? 
oh, do I like country music? It's funny you talked about Jordan. I, that's the song I come out to on my speeches. And when I talk about mobile home park investing is by dirt. So I love that. Song. This song has been out for over a year and this is the first I've heard of. I, I think maybe a few people emailed me about it and said, um, Hey, check out this song. But I, I don't know if I didn't, what happened? I didn't pay attention to it. Beautiful song. It's a great song. It's, it's all about like family and faith and, and, um, taking roots and life, man, about life and, it's a good feel good song. There's nothing. It's not depressing. And it's not about getting drunk in the on the bed of your pickup truck with uh, your, or, your or banging your, your sister. <laughs> I'm just joking. I don't think there's any songs about banging your sister. Not country music songs. No. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks for being on the show, man. Appreciate you yeah, being here. I, I appreciate you, man. It's been a while, and it's um, it's good to you know come full circle and talk to you again. And yeah, like I told you last time we talked, you're a big influence on me when I first came up. I think you were like my second or third mentor I hired and you were by far my favorite besides, you know, my first mentor that stole $50,000 from me. But we won't talk about that. We, ha we had him arrested. And, um, but yeah, you, yeah. Thankfully for you, you weren't on drugs and you, you gave me awesome information. And, um, and really, honestly, you had the most in-depth, comprehensive class I had ever taken oh, by, by a coach. So if anybody's just looking to get started, Joe's, you still, I'm sure you still had that same course, right? And, yeah, I don't really sell it much. I think it was probably on lease options. Well, it was a mix of everything. Yeah, it was on lease options, wholesaling, and you did yeah. it all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I remember, when was it that we were talking when we first started working together? 2014, 15-ish. Okay. I, um, I was slowly trying to exit out of all... I had owned a, a chain of car wash, mechanic shops, auto glass, oh. and quick lube car wash. And I, and I saw the writing on the wall, and new technology was shifting that that type of business. And Real estate had gotten me to the point where I could, where I bought all those in those mechanic shops. It got me the capital I needed to do that. And I was like, man, I, I need to get back into real estate. And that's when I started going on YouTube and found out about wholesaling and then found out about you and hired you and off to the races. I wrote, you gave me a, a testimonial or a, you sent me a Voxer and I, and I wrote it down here and I keep uh, all of my testimonials in Evernote. And uh, it says, hey, Joe, about four or five weeks ago, I joined your program. I hired an assistant like you told me to. You told me to get an assistant and that is exactly what I did. I just wanted to tell you a little bit about my past success the last four to five weeks. I've done about $46,000 in profits since the 1st of March and today's the 19th. And I have a huge deal that if it closes, I'll make another $35,000 that should close by the end of the month. That'll put me at about $80,000 for the month. I'm so excited. I can't stand it. I'm actually thinking about putting all of my stores up for rent because I want to do this full time. I'm just barely scraping the surface. I'm crushing it and I'm so excited. I'm so grateful and thankful because you really helped me out. You helped me get that list, helped me with my first batch of mail while I was on the phone with you. And I really appreciate that. So I just want to tell you, thank you. And I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Take care. Goodbye. Oh man, that, that is awesome. That was from, uh, yeah, I, I don't, but like, and you gave me another testimonial on a couple of different Voxers, but man, you're killing it. And uh, I kind of remember talking to you the first time, the first few times that you were going to have success. I just, you just have that feeling with some people about it. They, they exude that confidence. and. Um, you just had that. You know, talk a little bit about what you're doing now and what kind of real estate are you doing now and kind of your evolution. And because you, you started maybe doing some wholesaling and some lease options and stuff like that. I remember you telling me you putting out bandit signs in Lafayette, Louisiana, and getting tons of calls from that. I think your sign didn't it say, um, We buy houses regardless of what you owe? Regardless of what you owe. Cause I, I'm, cause I was using that to, for the lease option that you had taught me. So, yeah. Yep. So you started doing deals, you sold your stores. Is that right? I sold all, yeah, all of them, but one. I still own one today. Okay. And then talk, what, what happened after that? You started doing more and more deals, bigger deals? 
Yeah, man. I mean, I, you know, I, I, today, you know, in 2023, you know, we, we have a massive wholesale and flipping operation. Um, I partnered up with all my students. We did about $2.3 million in assignments last year. Sweet. Um, I just got back my reports from my, my CPA. I, I doubt I'm going to do it, you know, that this year because the market's definitely shifted. But yeah. in my mind, you know, for me as an entrepreneur, I've always, what's made me really successful is a combination of things for when I was always diversified. So I knew going into this thing that when you get comfortable with one business and you got got it stabilized, it's time to start a new revenue stream because yeah. that old revenue stream could get disrupted via technology, via economy, oh, yeah. politics, whatever it may be, right? And because um, I had experienced that in the past with my shops, right? What got me out of my quick loop car wash and mechanic shops was technology, automobiles, where when I first got in, people were changing all every 3,000 miles. As we progressed, I had those shops for about 12 years. You know, people were changing all every 15, 20,000 by the time I had exited and they were getting free all changes from the dealership. And you couldn't even work on these cars because they were so high tech. You had to have so many, so many tools that it, just, it was getting to the point where it didn't make any sense. So I've always carried that along into the future and whatever business I get into. So as we sit today, you know, I have a huge portfolio of mobile home parks. We own 17 mobile home parks all over the greater South. Um, I do have some in, um, two in Indiana, one in Missouri, um, but most of them in the South, Florida, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi. We do land development. We're de developing neighborhoods, taking raw land, taking it through entitlement with the uh, the counties and cities, and we're developing, putting in the infrastructure, roads, utilities, and then selling off the lots to these big builders like D.R. Hort. And they might be called. They might have different names in your cities, but we D.R. Hort and uh, D.S.L.D. are some of the ones we sell to, and then selling off to builders. So doing that. Um, I own some apartments, I own a, a lot of Airbnbs on the beaches that we've done really well with that I really in like. Louisiana? That all over. I have I have about four or five in Louisiana on waterways. Um, I got one in Destin, Florida on the beach. I got one in Gulf Shores, Alabama on the beach. And they do really well, especially after COVID, man. People stop vacationing out of the, the states and they, man, they, they literally doubled in revenue. I mean, it, it's it's really been, really been good. Um, so... But, you know, my new venture right now, we're, we're actually closing on an HVAC company um, in 45 days. I've been talking with a guy for about two years now. This is I, really interesting. HVAC, like heating yeah. and air conditioning. Heating and air conditioning. Why is this? Because this is what started our discussion of a couple of weeks ago about where you see the economy going. And this is fascinating. And by the way, guys, this is why I said, hey, Chris, can I just get you on my podcast? Because we want to talk about this. So why HVAC? Let's talk about that. Well, if you understand cycles and patterns, you know, I'm 42 years old. I've been an entrepreneur since I was 22. I started that, that all change business out of the back of my truck while I was a junior in high school and college and scaled it into a, you know, four locations. We're doing 3 million bucks a year by the time I was 25, 26. I thought it was, you know, I thought I was on top of the world. And then come 2008, you know, I, I got my, uh, I got kicked in the ball, so to speak. And you have to excuse my language, Joe. I some. I don't speak a, the appropriate language. A lot of times I'm from South Louisiana. So just you have to excuse me in your audience. I, That's all right. But, but um, you got kicked in the ball, so to speak, and, and almost almost went bankrupt in 2008. Uh, so you know, very, very nerve wracking, very um, humbling. And, you know, because I, I pride myself in working, you know, I work in everybody and this and that. And, but, you know, sometimes you just can't outwork what the economy wants to do. It don't matter how talented, smart and how hard work. You, you know, how hard of a worker you are. If there's no work to do, you can't work, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So um, learned a lesson there. And in 2014, um, happened from, and, and just so you guys know what the significance of 2014, I'm in the South where there's a lot of heavy oil and gas. Oil went from $128 a barrel to $28 a barrel. We lost tens of thousands of high paying jobs. Yeah. So that 
really crush my quick lubes and, and, and car wash mechanic shops because we had tons of fleet accounts related to the oil field and they were all going bankrupt or moving back to Texas. So that hurt really bad too. And, and, and I just kept making note of like, what can I learn from this? What can I extrapolate from all these um, losses and tournaments at lessons? So here we sit in 2003, I'm 42 and I'm like, okay, we know what goes up must, you know, must, must come down. We know when things are really good, they can't stay that way. But we also know when things are really bad, they don't stay that way. Everything comes in seasons and cycles. So I know things have been really, really good for a long time. So I know based off of you know history and, and cycles that we're coming in for a huge, huge downturn, way worse than I think than we're even expecting because it's not like the other downturns. We have huge, huge political turmoil, massive, massive government spending, massive, massive credit card debt, like everything is extremely overinflated on the price wise. We're at the top of the market cycle. So I know for, for a fact, some, it ain't going to be good, Joe, right? So I, for me, I'm like, okay, what can business can I get into that I know is recession proof, right? So three and, things. And this is, yep. I, I think I, I love where you're going with the HVAC industry because in all of the different industries out there where there is the biggest demand and this lowest supply of skilled labor is in the trades, right? Electricians, plumbers, HVAC contractors, welders. And in, in man, if, if my kids were interested in getting a degree and they're not, well, one of them is getting a chiropractic degree, but the other one is still trying to figure it out. I tell them all the time, man, if you get a college degree, forget about the four-year thing, forget about the bachelor's, go get a technical degree in one of these trades or these disciplines, and you're going to be set for life. And, and, and the, if you look at the starting salaries of some of these people, they're making more money, and by the way, working a lot less, right, than executives in C-level suites of these companies, right? Much more job stability. And so there, and this is only going to get worse or better, depending on who, where you yeah. are on this thing, right? But, but, fascinating to talk. You, you just Google this and you'll see articles in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times talking about this kind of stuff because we're in trouble. We're much so in trouble. We've been sell, sold the bill of goods for the past 30 years that you have to go to college to be successful. So all these people that had no business going to college who are just frankly speaking, not academically inclined enough to be in school, which is somebody like me. I, you know, I barely, I, I cheated my way through high school. I barely passed college. I mean, I, my wife wrote all my papers. I, I'm, a, you know, I'm the furthest from a, uh, an academic. I'm a blue collar entrepreneur by just overall mindset. But We've been sold the bill of goods that we have to go to college. And now here we sit in 2023, we have $2.3 trillion worth of student debt that can't be paid off. It's a failed system, Joe. And you have you tried calling a landscaping company, or electrician or an HVAC lately and see how, how was the waiting list is to get, you know, try calling one of those guys, see how long it takes to get on their schedule. It's months. And my landscaper is we have three acres and it takes two guys like four hours to mow our lawn. He keeps on raising his rates and I've, he's been working for me for years and years. And I'm too afraid to go price him, you know, try to get some more pricing to get someone else because I, I don't know if I can find anybody else. And if I let this guy go, he may not want to come back because he's got enough work. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're trying to get um, a contract right now to come replace our siding, our gutters, three months waiting just for siding and gutters, three months, right? You want to build a pool, you're talking a year, year and a half at least. So Joe just had just had carpets installed for a floor company, one of my Airbnbs I'm building out right now. It took 35 days. 35 days for carpet. A carpet. And the reason why? Shortage of labor. That's the real reason. Yeah. Maybe there's some supply shortages and things like that, um, but really it's labor. 
Yep. So this tells you there's the gap, right? There's the strategic advantage. There's the opportunity. And I saw this. I told my wife. So you know, I had no business being in the you know quick loop business. I just happened to start that business out of the back of my truck because I just wanted to start a business while I was in college, but I wasn't very strategic about it. But about halfway into it, about seven, eight years later, I remember telling my wife, this is probably 2010. I told my wife, I said, man, if I could do it all over again, I would freaking start an HVAC company. I went to HVAC school because I knew buddies that, and not just people in general that, that serviced our AC. These guys are 24, 25 years old, making a half a million bucks a year. And I was like, man, and it, they might only have two or three techs. And, it, and it, you know, here I had, I was making good money too, but I had four stores. I was dealing with car wash attendants and and quick loop, uh, all change attendance. And it was just, you know, it wasn't a skilled labor, right? I mean, anybody can wash cars as paying them five, you know, eight to $10 an hour. Whereas these techs are making $25 an hour. You can make, you can have a, you know, a good business and have employees that have a career there. So I made note of that. And I, and I, now that I've, I'm a little bit older, wise, I got a little bit more money. I got I've built up a little bit of, you know, wealth where I can, you know, be more strategic and, and take and extrapolate from the wisdom I've made. I know that I'm, I want to be in a business that when it pulls back, I'm not, you know, utterly destroyed or hurt really bad. And I know people are going to pay their HVAC or their heating and cooling bill before they pay their mortgage when this thing gets really ugly, because oh, it's going to take two years before the bank or a year to, for the bank to tank back their property. They can, they're not going to suffer on getting colder or hot. That's right. You know, and when you, uh, you might have a recession, but they say, you know, the, the, the service industries, like what we've been talking about, um, and the, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just running short on words here, but like the, the service industries of electricians and plumbers and all that, very recession proof. And in fact, what you're seeing is, and I don't have any hard scientific proof for this, but just from what I'm seeing, it seems like the margins are getting higher and higher. When I started um, my mechanic shop, when I first, uh, my first one I bought was in 2005, little shop in Lafayette. I, I leased it. The, the going rate for mechanics. Chris will be back. The, the going the going rate for mechanics was fifty five dollar forty five to fifty buck fifty five bucks an hour. It was two thousand five. Now mechanics are charging in excess of one hundred and twenty five to one hundred and fifty. Dealerships, I think, are one hundred and seventy five. I mean, yep. just to show you, you know, what the rates are now, and people are paying it. Have to. They, have they no don't choice. have a choice. Yep. They don't have a choice. All right. So should everybody go buy an HVAC contracting company right now, or? No, I, 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 not necessarily. I mean, it makes a lot of sense for, for me. I spent six figures on HVAC last year, just with all, we own 600 something rentals, you know, you know, I spent, and then we flip a bunch of houses. So it makes sense because it's a symbiotic business that complements what I'm already doing. So I know just from one, I can, I'm going to get that a discount. on. I'm going to get a, I know I'm going to get a discount on my stuff yeah. for one. Two, I know all the investors in town where I, I can give them a discount on my buyer's list from from Joe helping me show me how to build a buyer's list, yeah. you know, eight years ago. But I got, you know, 850 people in Louisiana that, that buy from me that all I got to do that build relationships with. Yeah. I, can, I know that I can switch them over to whoever they're using to, to my new company. And three, I know I can help scale this company that I, that I bought this guy, the particular guy is young awesome guys, 25 years old, his dad recently passed away and he inherited this business that does a lot, a lot of revenue and he's a great operator, but he's overwhelmed. Right. And I talked to guys, oh man, they don't understand sales and marketing. They don't, they don't understand systems and processes and managing the books. Like if you can bring that kind of stuff. That's exactly what we're bringing to the table, Joe. And, and he reminds me a lot of me when I was his age, I was, you know, very capable guy, very hard worker, and he's the same way. He just doesn't understand the, the business behind the business, doesn't understand the systems, processes. He, he didn't have a clean set of books, but his phone rings off the hook 24-7. 
he has to turn down work in the summertime. So busy yeah. he is. And this is every HVAC company. This ain't just his particular one. This is just about everyone that's established. So, you know, he, he did some high, I mean, he did, I think he did one point, um, he did one, $1.2 million in revenue with zero marketing. Just look, so. look at this. Bruce just posted a comment on YouTube, elevator mechanics. Their charge out rate is about $250 an hour. So their salary is probably about half to a third of that. So that, Elect elevator mechanic is making a hundred to a hundred hundred twenty five dollars an hour, probably. Yeah. So, but to back to your point, Joe, what I was telling you is that you know you said you asked me should everybody go buy an HVAC company? No, I, I think you need to play to your your unique yeah. strengths. I have a strategic advantage because because of the fact that I can. I'm sorry, I'm on my phone. People keep calling me. Yeah. But yeah. I, I have a, you know I have a strategic advantage where I know that we can complement his business and scale it. So. It doesn't necessarily have to be an HVAC, plumbers, electricians. Uh, we're opening up one. So I had one mechanic shop, that commercial building I own. We're reopening that that shop right now. I had shut down and tried, I had tried to sell. I couldn't. So I've got two good operators that are partnering up with me. I'm giving them the vast majority of the equity and I'm letting them reopen it. So just think of where, you know, what what business, especially for, for real estate guys, it may, may make a lot of sense. We were looking at septic tank companies too before we, we bought into the HVAC, you know. Because we changed a lot of, I just had to spend 200 grand on a, a new eight, a septic tank company for one of our septic tank system for one of my mobile home parks. So that was something we were looking at, but it didn't make sense. But just get into the trades. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work, but guess what? Do do the things that most people don't want to do and most people don't want to work. And you can make a lot of money doing that if you're willing to do what other people aren't willing to do right now. There's a, a, a friend of mine who I'm helping coach a little bit. His name is John Paramore, and he has a coaching business for contractors. And uh, anybody listening to this, I really highly recommend you go Google John Paramore um, and this company is called Smash, S-M-A-S-H. But uh, he's he's talking to me all the time about how many guys out there have so much business coming their way, contractors, that they just can't handle it. And they, if they could just install some simple systems that you and I are used to in the real estate space, uh, they, they can kill it. But anyway, Chris, back to the economy. You know what? Th- this is a real estate investing podcast, right? And people are thinking houses, real estate, um, the economy, you know, is it falling apart? Is it something we don't really need to be worried about? How can real estate investors who are concerned about the future of this economy, where it's going, how can how can we diversify and be prepared for any coming earthquake that, that is is coming? Well, Joe, can I be candid with your audience? Yeah, please. Well, I mean, if you understand history and you you kind of pay attention to what's going on, we're coming to an end of a, a financial cycle back from 1945 after World War II, the Bryn Woods uh, agreement that we had, right? And the dollar has been in the U.S. has been the world dominating country and currency for the past, what is that, 80 years, right? And it's ran its cycle. So I think we're at the end of that cycle and it's a controlled demolition right now. They, they know that it's a failed system. We have massive, massive debt and they don't, there's no way we have a massive aging population that are all, I mean, we got 10,000 baby boomers retiring per day. They've already stated by 2030, Social Security, Medicaid, and Medicare will be bankrupt. So we're all, you know, frankly speaking, up, up shit creek with no paddle, like we say here in Louisiana. So w- if you know that, then you got to pay attention and, and figure out, you know, how can you insulate or mitigate your losses for what's coming? And because it is coming and, and they've already started talking about it over TV with this, the, the great reset. I'm sure you've heard about this is no conspiracy theory, guys. You know, this is what they're trying to do. They, they're trying to roll out a more equitable economic system via more socialism to make everything more fair. And whether you're, you know, leaning left or leaning right, 
you know, is it right or wrong? It's not for me to tell you how to believe politically. You just got to be aware of it as an entrepreneur and make proper preparations, right? And that's kind of what my my feelings is that we're we're in for a huge, huge disruption and change. I I agree. Although, let me play devil's advocate here a little bit. I heard people say the same thing in the 90s. There was a book that came out in the 90s called The uh, Coming Economic Earthquake by Larry Burkett. Larry Burkett was a very popular um, Christian financial author at the time who had a popular radio show. And uh, he predicted the same stuff back in the mid-90s with the coming economic earthquake, that book. And it kind of set shockwaves because it was one of the first guys to really sound the alarm bells. Um, But then Clinton became president and was seven or eight of the most prosperous years we've ever had as a country with Bill Clinton in in office. And uh, then we had, um, you know, we've had our ups and downs since then. But when it comes to real estate, Chris, everybody's always going to need a roof over their heads. People are always going to need a place to live. And the population of the U.S. is growing. So is it all that bad for people who are in real estate, whether you're a realtor or a property manager or a wholesaler, you know? Well, to to say, is it all that bad is a a matter of perspective. I'm not an optimist, Joe. You know, I'm more of a a realist. I I like to be... um, you know, pessimistically realist and optimistic. How can I say pessimistically optimist? Meaning, I yeah. always look at the downside. I don't look. I don't play the, the the upside because that's just a bonus treat. If I can look at every possible bad scenario that can happen and game theory that out in my head and, and kind of prepare for it, then I have a plan. I've been there in my mind, and when it happens, I'm not shocked. It's a good place to be when you being a little paranoid is a good place to be as an entrepreneur. I used to be overly optimistic as a young entrepreneur. Hmm. That is a, not a good place to be. You know, that, I'm just gonna be honest with you because that got my hopes. That got my hopes and dreams crushed on, twice, almost in bankrupt twice. Because, dude, this stuff is so hard. Being an entrepreneur, you know this, Joe. Mm-hmm. Being an entrepreneur is so hard. This is one of the hardest things you're gonna do in your life. I'd rather be doom and gloom and pessimistic and then be happy that it didn't happen. That's yeah. a better place to be than to be hopefully optimistic and then the shit hits the fan. So if you look at a SWOT analysis, right, you look at this, your strengths, your weaknesses, the opportunities and the threats. If somebody is in, oh, by the way, Facebook user is asking Larry who, guy's name is Larry Burkett, Burkett, and he wrote a book called The Coming Earth- Economic Earthquake. You should read it. So like, it's important for every business owner, I think, to look at what are they good at, what are their strengths, but also what are their weaknesses? Because I agree, man, sometimes you can be too pie high in the sky and forget about worst case scenario. Like even when you're looking at deals. It's easy to get tempted by the big dollars and not look at worst case scenario, not think about, all right, do I have multiple exit strategies on this deal? Or am I just dependent on one thing? That's where you can get into trouble. Looking at your SWAT, right? Your, or your Oh, the opportunities, where are the opportunities out? Because the opportunities change as the markets change and cycle through. And then yeah. what are the threats out there? So what would you say, you know, let, let's let's talk to the wholesaler right now, right? It's not, you can't wholesale deals maybe as the same way you could a year ago. Things have changed. So talk to the wholesaler right now who, you know, was used to wholesaling 10, 20 deals a month a year ago, but now they're struggling to do five a month. Talk to them. Yeah, I think it goes back to diversification. Uh, uh, you can't be a one-trick pony, right? If you look at real estate investing like a wheel, you got spokes on those wheels, right? You want to have as many spokes on that wheel as you possibly can to turn that wheel faster. I've always, like I said earlier in, in this podcast, is that I've always been diversified. I started out from the get-go. You know, do if you're only doing wholesaling, 
you need to get you need to figure out something else dude maybe your wife needs to be a realtor maybe you need to get your realtor's license even th- even though things are slower you need to look at maybe flipping land like joe's doing we're doing land also you have to evolve the name of the game in business is change business is no different than than if you study and follow nature right you have to change with the seasons right spring fall winter um summertime so what what I would do if I was a, a just a wholesaler right now? Maybe you've only you been, say say with this your last year was your first year and you crushed it and you're like oh man Joe things are really slow down like and I'm freaking out and panicking for for one understand that this is not going to last that long it might last a year two years three years max I doubt I think it's only going to last maybe two years max maybe even only a year figure out what you can do without totally changing industries that is symbiotic to what you're already doing right maybe that's um you know learning how to raise private money. That's a skill too. I mean, that took my business to the next level. If you can learn how to raise private money, I'm telling you, that's just, just that is like the most, what, I have three core things that I, that I teach and, and that I, I stand by, right? That's direct to seller marketing, raising private money and building a personal brand. If you work on those three things, right? That's individual skill sets, you will crush real estate. Oh yeah, because if you've got the money, the deals will come to you. Absolutely. So- the Buyers will come to you, the deals will come to you. Yep. So, and, and what I would do is um, learn how to keep some of your deals. Like I find, like a lot of guys I started wholesaling with, you know, eight years ago when Joe trained me, they're still doing the same thing they did eight years ago. Like I noticed Joe's changed and he's, you know, he's doing land now. Like, dude, you got to change. Everything changes. So I would figure out just what other businesses that are symbiotic that you can do that are very close and synergetic to what you're doing. Like for me, it's the HVAC, right? Because that's that's still real estate. That Really, HVAC is just a real estate service provider is what it is. It's, it's not like I'm getting out of it industry. So, mm-hmm. Well, and, for some examples might be you're getting your license like you talked about, maybe doing some creative real estate strategies, lease options or owner financing subject yeah. twos, yep. right? Raising money, being a, a capital syndicate, maybe some kind yep. of broker. There's a bunch of rules of that, but like there are other things, right? Absolutely. And, and the, the lease option with Joe, with, with, you know, when I, when I first took your course on lease options, I made a lot, I made like, I think I may end up making like 70, $80,000 my first year just doing lease options because it was the perfect time in 2014. Matter of fact, Joe, it was 2014 because I remember that yeah. is when I, when I hired you. So that's about yeah, eight years ago. Eight years ago. I, because that's when the economy started crashing in my area when the oil crashed. And there was a lot of people upside down on their mortgage or they, or maybe they just didn't have any equity. So they couldn't sell it traditionally with a realtor because they, they couldn't pay the realtor fees. I would get that under contract and I would go market it on Craigslist and, and yeah. to get a, a lease option buyer. I'd get five, 10. I even got 30 grand down on a lease option. Right. I would yeah, just right. assign that lease option. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a strategy that works really well in a down economy after people have overpaid and overbought because yeah. frankly speaking, there's not a whole lot of equity in a lot of these people that just bought because they, you know, they maybe put 5% down, 3% down in some cases, 1% or maybe 10. So that's another strategy. Owner finance. I mean, we, we, we're actually buying a, a, a 62 unit mobile home park right now from an older baby boomer who doesn't want to cash out. That's another skill is, is the, the art and, and sales tactics of showing and telling and demonstrating to these older baby boomers that have a lot of the real estate in this country. They're about to get, you know, hammered with Uncle Sam if they try to sell. Yeah. Why not? Why don't you just if it, if they have no mortgage on it, let them owner finance it to you, and and you can raise the capital, put a hundred grand down, whatever it may be, and you can buy deals. You know, yeah. create a the, the creative finance way. Oh, that's really good, really good. All right, so here we are in February, twenty twenty three. Where do you see you know the rest of the year kind of going? Do you see unemployment going up, inflation getting worse, interest rates going higher? 
What's your projection on that? So, so this is not my opinion, Joe. I told my wife this this that yesterday, this week. It's funny because I'm on the phone with a lot of you know people that come to my masterminds. I've had three people this week. Uh, but I'm sorry, between this week and last week, tell me that either their wife lost a job, they're losing their job. Three people, and and you feel and it. And I was like, okay, the economy is definitely slowing down because I have I have conversation. I'm on the phone with people all the time. I've, nobody's told me this before in the past seven, eight years, yeah. something's going on. And, it, and sure enough, if you check all the statistics, these big corporations are laying off massively right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, th- that so that that answers that question. Yes, definitely. People are going to lose jobs. The, the economy is pulling back and people are they're cutting. They're cutting the, the loose fat. If you're not highly valuable in your company, you're probably going to get cut or or get, get a, a, a pay cut at least. But as far as inflation, um, I don't know that inflation is going to continue with interest rates that keep going up, you know, because that kind of flattens the the demand. Um, there's still pretty strong demand for housing. I mean, historically speaking, interest rates are not that high. But, you know, let's be real. We got high on low interest rates for the past seven, eight years. So people are freaking out because interest rates are going up. But Joe, I bought my first house in 2003, my first starter home, and my f- interest rate was six and a quarter. And that was a good deal back then. I bought I bought my first business in 2008, my first location from an SBA loan. And I paid eight and a half percent. And that was a good deal. So frankly speaking, historically speaking, you guys need to chill out. Rates are not that high. We just got high on low interest rates. There is an article. I want to share it with you all here talking about this. And I was reading this the other day in the Wall Street Journal. And I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble for sharing a copyrighted Wall Street Journal article here. But oh, well, make this a little bigger. The U.S. consumer is starting to freak out. Flush saving accounts and cheap credit that help keep American spending at rates at high rates since 2020 are disappearing. And this is a fascinating uh, article. If you just kind of Google this Wall Street Journal, the U.S. consumer is starting to freak out. You'll find this. And there's some interesting um, things here about how um, the rate of savings is way, way down. And here are some charts on the slowdown. Seasonally adjusted um, consumer price index, retail sales are starting to come down. Personal savings rates are coming down to very, very uh, low levels. The share of U.S. adults whose monthly, this is freaky here, the share of U.S. adults whose monthly expenses were more than their income. So look at this. These are the share of percentages of U.S. adults whose monthly expenses are more than their income. And if you look at those who make, let's look at those who make less than 50 grand a year. It's seven, it's the average is 20, about 21%, but it's up. Uh, 7.2%. Those who make between 50 and 100, it's at the average is about 11 or 12% and it's up 2.6%. But look at this. The percentage of adults where you see this going up, whose expenses are more than their income, it's going up over the last few months and the average is about 8 or 9% and that's going up. Which means especially people who make quote unquote a lot of money, they're spending way more money than uh, they're actually making. And you go through this article and it starts talking about the uh, how, how much everything is costing more and then the layoffs on how they're getting worse and worse and employers are shedding temporary workers at a fast rate and people who do lose their jobs are taking longer to find new ones. This guy here in a tattoo shop, um, you know, it's kind of a luxury thing, right? He's seeing the weights uh, go way down for his tattoos. Um, mortgage rates are reaching highs and... Um, um, blah, 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 blah. This whole article, I should have just highlighted some of this thing, these things before I brought it up here. And I thought there was another chart. Oh, there's not. Um, anyway, it can be scary if you're not prepared for, but 
I will say this. Let me stop the screen share. Wherever there is a crisis, there is an opportunity, right? And whenever wealth just doesn't disappear, it transfers, right? If money is disappearing out of the real estate market, out of the employment market, out of jobs, it's going somewhere else. It's going somewhere else. And so we need to be active as investors <clears throat> to follow the cheese and to be educated, to mastermind, network with other people. Because I remember when the market crashed in 08, Chris, 2007 and 08, it didn't just happen on a dime. We, if you were reading the market and understanding, it, it, was, it actually was kind of slow. It's not like the stock market where one day it's all of a sudden down 5%, right? It goes slower. And some people think it happened overnight, but it didn't. You could read the warning signs for at least a year, two years in advance. People talked about the bubble. They thought, you know, it just, was, it just got out of control. But anyway, it's important that we are students of this economy, of the market. We're listening to podcasts, networking and masterminds and being connected. If anything, as the, as the economy is kind of shaking, I think the worst thing you can do is stop investing in your education, stop investing in your masterminds. Um, you need to plug in deeper with these kinds of groups of other investors that are more successful than you, right? Would you say? Um, and and yeah. look to see where the what what are they doing now that's working that didn't work six months ago? Anyway. Yep. hundred percent, Joe. I mean, you know, we're part of a bunch of masterminds. I put on masterminds and, it, you know, I, I think it it is the number one thing an entrepreneur can do to succeed is to be around other entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs are only 3% of the population, yet, you know, we we have to mingle amongst the other 97% of the population who aren't, are not entrepreneurial. So you can get a lot of bad information from people that just frankly speaking, you shouldn't be getting information from. So I make sure I get my information from people that are doing better than me. And I've gotten further in life, Joe, by not listening to people versus listening to people because the information is terrible out there, right? So but back to your point, Joe, about, you know, this will be an opportunity of lifetime. I know in 2008, I didn't have the wherewithal to, to I, I didn't know about how to raise private capital. You know, 2014, I had just gotten into wholesaling. You know, I, I didn't I didn't have that art of raising private capital then either. But now I, I have that skill down packed. I've been able to raise, you know, probably 50 million bucks, you know, in the past you know, four years between flips and, you know, buy uh, mobile home parks, apartments, all the Airbnb, everything we're buying. So that is a skill. So if, if you can get access to money, I, if I were you, I would I'd get, start raising private capital. Don't stop marketing. In 2014, when, when I went through that crisis, when I first got into wholesaling, it was a perfect storm for me when I first got in because the economy was crashing. I started doing direct to seller and I freaking cleaned house. I just didn't have the money to better buy deals at the time. And that's not going to happen again. So for your audience here, I'm telling you, stack the cash for the crash. Warren Buffett says, you know, you, know, you make your money when there's blood in the streets. And that is absolutely a fact, right? I mean, and it sounds kind of shitty, but you need to get ready. If you're going to capture all kind of, like Joe said that, you know, wealth just doesn't disappear. Wealth is energy. It just transfers, right? This is going to transfer to somebody else. I remember when the market crashed in um, between 2007, 8, 9, and 10, it seemed like there was a huge mass exodus. Everybody was leaving the real estate investing world. But there were people that were still doing deals. And I remember um, there was the, the community at the time called flippinghomes.com. And uh, the people that were doing deals there, they learned how to raise private money. And they started learning how to raise local banks, money from local banks. And so financing was really, really hard to get. It used to be easy to get loans. Then it became really extremely difficult. But the guys that succeeded and did well were the ones that knew how to get the money, either from private investors, because there were people still willing to lend money. Not everybody is broke in that recession, right? 
but then also the ones who understood how to build relationships with small local banks and could then sell their deals with the financing in place. So they're still, when, when things get hard in the real estate market, I know this from just past experience, people that are going to do well are the ones who can sell deals with the financing in place or bring the money to a deal. That's going to be critical. Yeah. And Craig, who's watching this on Facebook, he's absolutely right. He made more money during that time than any other, Joe. And Craig, you remember, remember guys like Nate in Wisconsin who were, um, that's what they were doing at the time. And I remember reading voraciously all of his forum posts on flippinghomes.com because that's what he was doing. And that's what people I knew back then were succeeding with and doing. So anyway, really good advice, Chris. Yeah. Um, we need to rep. Go ahead. Yeah, I, wanted, I wanted to leave one more thing because you asked me a question that I never answered in the beginning. You said, you know, what makes a successful guy versus not successful? You know, I, I, I think um, you got to figure that out, you know, for yourself as far as, um, you know, I'm sorry, my distraction, my, one of my kids. No, yeah. I, got, I got five kids, Joe. I'm sorry. It's like a zoo in my house and they all homeschooled. So anyway, um, hey, I'm, makes on, people I'm on a su- podcast, son. What makes people successful versus not? Yeah. So you said something very pertinent, right? Early, you said, you said, I exude confidence. And I was going to say, that's one thing is that you got to have massive confidence. This stuff is so hard that if you can't be your biggest cheerleader, you can't be your number one fan. You can't, you, you can't let people get in your head, right? You don't have to be that smart to be a successful entrepreneur. Listen, I, I got a 2.1 GPA at best out of high school and I cheated my way all through college, right? But one thing I, I may not have a whole lot of brains, but there's one thing, Joe, I got a whole lot of, and that's balls. You need more balls than brains in, in being in business guys as an entrepreneur. Balls will take you way, way further than brains. Mm-hmm. Now I'm not saying you ain't got to be no dummy, you know, that you could be a dummy and do this, but taking action and building up the skill set of, of building that, that tolerance risk, that, that, um, yeah. that risk tolerance, that's a skill. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a, that you stretch that thing. It's a mindset. So you stretch that every time you, you take a little bit of risk and you got to learn to take a little bit of risk, calculated risk, mm-hmm. not just, not just any kind of risk. And you do that on a gradient scale until you build that confidence. And then you, you look, you, as you grow and you build that confidence, you'll become a, more aware and take, you know, buy the hundred thousand dollar property becomes nothing and buying a, a million dollar property becomes nothing and buying a two or $3 million. It's all numbers. You just got to get past that point of the risk tolerance. Fortune favors the bold. Yeah. 100%. Cool. All right, Chris, let's wrap this up. How can people get a hold of you? Are you active on the social medias and all that? Yeah, I'm very active on social media. You can follow me at uh, on my business page, Chris Root Entrepreneur. You can follow me on Instagram where I show you know stories every day of properties I'm looking at and deals I'm doing at Real Estate Root on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on YouTube at Chris Root Entrepreneur. Um, I, I host masterminds. Joe, we're gonna have to have you come speak in one of my masterminds here. Is this your right? Your yep. correct handle? That Real is, Estate Rude on Instagram. That, well, that's Instagram, and then I have a website, ChrisRude.com, and I put on these masterminds called the Allies Masterminds, where I, you know, I have experts come speak on different topics um, all over the the country. Like I said, Joe, we're gonna have to have you come here soon. But oh yeah. I appreciate you, and it, it's it's fun. it's all really cool to see. You know, you're still in the game, and you know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of gurus that come and go, but man, you're the quintessential, like true master Jedi Knight of real estate. You still doing it. You you like, you like the Obi-Wan Kenobi real estate, man. Thank you. I appreciate the kind words. I'm not going anywhere either. I still got a lot more black hair in this, you know, (laughs) I I still got a lot more room for gray, but, um, chrisrood.com, C-H-R-I-S, rood, R-O-O-D.com. 
And on the IGs, it's realestaterude.com. Um, thanks for being on the show, man. Congrats. I appreciate on having, you, Joe. Congrats on having five kids. I have four. That's amazing. Good for you, man. Yeah, man. You homeschool all of them? We do too. Homeschool all of them, man. All right. But appreciate you, Joe. It's been fun. All right, Chris. Thank you. Hey, guys. We'll see you all later. Take care, everybody.